Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing the rise of alcohol-free beverages this holiday season and companies illegally selling CBD-infused food. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aish Rashid and Vera Kovacevich. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about um, some companies that were sent warning letters from the FDA for illegally selling CBD-infused food and beverage products. So last week was when the FDA sent out these letters, and the agency didn't specify exactly why it targeted these five companies. I'll tell you my theory a little bit later in the story, but the warning letters did state that they sell products that people may confuse for traditional foods or beverages, which may result in unintentional consumption or overconsumption of CBD. So according to the warning letters, these products are considered adulterated under a very long um, uh, section of the Federal uh, Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act um, because they bear or contain unsafe food additive, an unsafe food additive. And furthermore, it is prohibited, um, it is a prohibited act to introduce into interstate commerce under this section, blah, 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 um, of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act Um now, currently, the use of CBD in food and beverage products is an unapproved food additive in the U.S. An ingredient is not a food additive, nor does it require pre-market approval if it is generally recognized as safe or grass uh, by the FDA. And while some brands have made self-determinations of grass, the agency stated that it is not aware of any basis to conclude that CBD is grass for use in conventional foods. The agency also cited safety concerns regarding accidental or overconsumption of CBD, as well as drug interactions. The FDA claimed that it received numerous adverse reports pertaining to CBD-infused food and beverage products. Of particular concern to the FDA are dosage formats that appeal to children, like gummies, hard candies, and cookies. Perhaps warning letters were sent out to these five companies since four to the five of them sell CBD-infused candies or gummies. Several hemp businesses started marketing such products across the country after the crop and its derivatives uh, were federally legalized under the USDA's 2018 Farm Bill. But just last week, Trust CBD USA, which was a joint venture of the beer giant Morrison Coles and the cannabis company HexoCorp announced that they'll be exiting the U.S. market because of the lack of federal regulatory certainty around the hemp industry. Another major brands like PepsiCo and Carl's Jr. have dipped their toes into the hemp product market with various CBD-infused food and beverage products, but it's unclear if the FDA plans to expand its enforcement action in a way that would actually impact those product lines. Now, stakeholders have strongly encouraged the agency to actually live up to its authority and provide 
clearer guidelines um, and clarity for the industry. But it has largely limited its regulatory enforcement um, authority to sending warning letters like these to certain CBD businesses and denying cannabinoid marketing applications. In fact, the FDA has already issued several warning letters to companies using CBD in various products just this year. Meanwhile, the five companies that received these warning letters have 15 days to respond to the FDA, explaining how they will address this issue raised in the letters, and failure to address the violations may result in legal action, including product seizure or injunction. And one thing I maybe I should have mentioned in the story if, if people weren't aware, but CBD is the, you know, it's the non-psychoactive ingredient derived from the hemp plant um, and a lot of people also know uh, THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient um, in hemp, uh, and that is, you know, marijuana or what marijuana is derived of. And, and sometimes, um, you know, a, uh, a a method of consuming marijuana will also include some CBD as well. Um, my knowledge of this is, is a lot greater than I think the average person's because prior to writing about food, I wrote about cannabis. So this was a particular interest to me um, and the CBD market in general. I know a while back we had some discussions about, you know, some CBD beverages and some skeptical thoughts. Um, and I, I can't say I disagree, but in terms of, you know, these companies and the FDA's authority over CBD, you know, in terms of what I just told you, do you think they're doing enough? Because uh, it doesn't really seem like they're taking that much action aside from sending some warning letters. Because um, I'm not too certain, but I am pretty sure that you could get CBD products pretty much anywhere um, in the U.S. Uh, and w when one business closes, I'm sure thousands of other ones pop up. So yeah, what are your thoughts on you know the, the FDA regulating this? Yeah, um, I'm kind of kind of wondering like almost what's <laughs> I don't want to say this but I will like if if the product has CBD right and it's non-psychoactive like almost like what is the point of having it <laughs> if it's not like <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> that that's a great question many people report that you know CBD on its own has like a relaxing effect um it uh I think if you do consume too much of it, though, uh, it could probably make you a little bit groggy. Um, but yeah, on its own, it's it's just supposed to sort of calm down your body a little bit, but it won't it won't get you quote unquote high. Um, yeah. But that's a great point. Like I and I feel like the amount um, of of CBD in a lot of products is negligible and and probably wouldn't do anything and it's very much just like a marketing thing um, as I think we've talked about in the past but yeah it, it would it would be a lot more concerning if um, you know products did include like THC in them and they weren't as outright about it um, but yeah that's a good question also like medicinal use right so some people might mm -hmm. be thinking oh well if this is um in this product, maybe it'll help me feel better with whatever ailment, pain. Uh, that, that's a big one where people like turn to like CBD oils and CBD products. Um, but of course, those are in higher concentrations. So there are non-recreational uses for it, for sure. Um, I definitely do think the FDA does need to step in and regulate this like with any other food product because, you know, this is... Um, you know, just to regulate even the quantities and the amounts and just to, to make sure everything um, is good. And I think with the legalization of marijuana in a lot of places, I think, you know, you have so many stores just popping up at every co other corner and you're just like, okay, this is, you know, okay, fine. But 
Um, if you're going to be selling it in food products that, let's say, potentially kids might be have might have access to, like I think it's important for the FDA to to step in and to make sure that um, the concentrations, the amounts, and um, just what's being advertised is correct. Yeah, that that's an excellent point, and and it's very confusing since individual states have you know regulate whether yeah. um, you know marijuana is is legal or not, but then. The farm bill that was passed in 2018 is is a federal bill, um, mm. so it, it's it's very confusing as to which CBD infused products are actually legal in which states and who can sell them. And you also brought up a great point of and <clears throat> you know of of children being of concern in this. Um, and and I'm thinking like, you know. Isn't it the responsibility of parents to hide that stuff from their kids? Uh, but y- y- I know that's they not always the case. Of course, of course. And it's like, oh, because <laughs> and same thing with with way more dangerous things like guns too. You know, oh, it's yeah. like just because yeah. it's of it's of concern and people should take you know, be extra, extra careful not to leave out gummies or guns, um, you know, around their children. Um, but it's, so when the FDA says things like, oh, you know, we, we, or I, I just assumed that it was sent to these companies because they were selling gummies and, and, and candies and things that appeal to children. But mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so I guess we really don't trust the, you know, the consumer at all that like, I understand though it's 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 the, the branding often is very appealing to children so you got to hide these things I guess if if you're going to partake you really have to be careful and lock it up and hide them um and and here for example in Canada with with things like gummies or CBD gummies often they are in packaging that even adults find troubling, uh, troublesome to open. I, uh, yeah, I was just going to say and to even read, right? Sometimes. Even, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, to, like sometimes parents may not be aware themselves. So that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the market needs so much regulation aside from just CBD and aside from just this example that I'm talking about. We've got a long way to go, especially in the U.S. Um, Canada is a case study. You know, marijuana has been legal for several years now. I want to say almost like four years at this point. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah 20, I, think it, 2018, I think it was 2018. Right? I think, I think so it was too. Yeah, 2018. Wow. So, um, and I don't know how, you know, many cases there are of, you know, children overdosing on, on yeah. anything. I hope it's very low. Mm-hmm. Um, CBD, I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine there's much going on there. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're, you're right, Vera. Like, why would, why would anyone just have it by themselves, by, by itself? It's not, doesn't, we, we don't know enough about it, I think, to, uh, you know, for it to be a valid like ingredient. And I guess the FDA agrees there uh, that it shouldn't be in food. But hemp as a whole is just like so over over uh, used in, in like cosmetics as well. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Like creams yeah. and, and, and really? whatever, hemp infused, whatever, because yeah, yeah. um, of the whole, you know, people think it's like organic and, and whatever else it's derived from a plant. Mm-hmm. Like, so you may not see it as much, but someone gave me a hand cream once that was like hemp um yeah like infused it smelled awful i don't know why <laughs> anyone would want. it smelled horrible <laughs> so it's it's gimmicky i'll i'll say that mm. um but yeah definitely agree fda needs to step up a little bit and, and do more than uh, than just send warning letters 
All right, well, moving on. Um, next, as the holiday season is approaching, the beverage industry can expect to see a rise in the sale of alcohol-free beverages. Um, so a little bit of a, uh, you know, opposite of the previous story, whereas <laughs> something was added to something else. In this case, something is taken from something else. So Both as the potential de- intoxication. The, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. <laughs> so as the desire for no and low Uh, alcohol beverages increases and producers are responding to consumer demands the industry is taking note and investing in products aimed at consumers keen to celebrate on their own terms so last year the volume of no and low alcohol beverages grew by 31 percent year over year according to drinks analysis platform iwsr and statista noted that the non-alcoholic market accounted for over 414 million in u.s sales in 2021 and the market is expected to reach a high of five 138 million by 2026. So why is there a shift away from alcoholic beverages? So I found a um, a consumer insights platform and it suggested that abstinence events like dry January in which participants abstain from alcohol for the month are more than just a fad. So more than three quarters of Americans surveyed say that they've temporarily given up alcohol for at least a month in the past. And almost half, so 46% of people um, or of drinkers, said they are trying to reduce their alcohol consumption right now, and 52% of them are replacing alcohol with alcohol-free beverages. Consumers identified improving their physical health and mental well-being as the main reasons for drinking less. And this trend is driven by younger consumers. Um, Non-alcoholic beer, wine, and cocktails category is surging in popularity, thanks in part to them. Some of the biggest players in the beverage industry are making moves into the non-alcoholic market. So earlier this month, Keurig Dr. Pepper, the beverage giant that owns 7-Up, Snapple, and 0% alcohol cocktail manufacturer at a peak, uh, made a minority share investment into the non-alcoholic brewery Athletic Brewing. Uh, KDP said in a press release, non-alcoholic beer in the U.S. grew almost 20% in retail dollars over the past year, with the craft segment, where athletic brewing holds a 55% market share, far outpacing uh, total category growth. Now, the beverage conglomerate is backing up its direction into the alcohol-free beverages market with an understanding that consumers still want to drink, just in moderation. However, this phenomenon is not just occurring with beer. We're seeing cocktails, spirits, and wines are also part of the growing alcohol-free beverage space. And although it's relatively easy to switch to non-alcoholic beers because its two main flavoring ingredients, malt and hops, are still present, it's more challenging with wine. The results um, in the past are often watery, flat, and too sugary since most alcoholic wines are created by extracting the alcohol out of regular wine with a spinning cone or reverse osmosis technology. But some companies have claimed to overcome this challenge, including Toast and Null Wines. So Toast offers full-size bottles and single-serve iterations of their sparkling white and rosé wine, which contain white tea, cranberry, and ginger. And Null Wines product spans range from a sparkling rosé to a juicer uh, Tempranillo Syrah blend. 
Now, a prominent beer brand is even blurring the lines between non-alcoholic and functional beverages. Corona, which we've all heard of, launched Corona Sunbrew 0.0% in January um, of this year in Canada. And this is the first of its kind, apparently non-alcoholic beer that contains 30% of the daily value of vitamin D per 330 uh, mil serving. So whether it's beer, wine, cocktails, or spirits, the alcohol-free beverage market is definitely hoping to win some market share this holiday season and beyond. Um, and now I'm very curious to um, get your insights into this um, because, you know, as someone who doesn't really enjoy drinking, if I'm going to be honest with you, <laughs> mainly because mm. I don't really like the taste, mm -hmm. this is, I don't think this is a category for me. Um, because I, I think if you're, you know, if you are a drinker, but you still crave the taste um, and maybe the camaraderie associated with, with drinking, then this is sort of for you. But for me, I can absolutely go without it as much as I can go without actual alcohol. Um, but I, I, I'm wondering, like, do you guys see the appeal of this market? Um, are you surprised to hear that it's, it's growing so much and that it's led by, you know, like dr younger consumers? Yeah, I, I definitely see the appeal. Um, just thinking like how many times I go to a restaurant and ask for like a non-alcoholic drink, like something fun, like, you know, frizzy or something like fruity, you know, but it's non-alcoholic. It's just, it's my preference. Um, but that's usually when I go out, like at home, I generally don't buy non-alcoholic drinks that much. But if I saw them more in like regular convenience stores, I think I would. Um, just because I, I I do like the taste. I do like how they look like. Um, it seems very fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm definitely like a, like a part of this market um, because I do contribute to it, at least when I go out for sure. Um, but yeah, I definitely would buy it if it was, you know, found in more stores around me. Um, yeah, just because I do like the taste. I do try to avoid alcohol. Um, not not because of the taste of alcohol, but just because I, I, I don't want to like, for example, drink and drive or you know that kind of stuff. So I I, cho I choose non-alcoholic drinks um, because they taste good and I think it's fun. That's my take. Mm -hmm. Those are great insights. Um, I think it definitely makes sense. And uh, Sydney, I was surprised that like uh, you were saying that you don't enjoy alcohol too much. But if you had the choice, you would rather just forego any alcohol, like or exactly, slash non-alcoholic exactly. drink because it doesn't. And and then Vera, you're saying how like it's fun, like you know you have the different flavors and stuff. So you would go for for something non-alcoholic. Now, as somebody who also I, I well I totally don't drink alcohol, but I, I'm kind of like in the middle there between you two, I would say I can, I definitely think, um, it is fun because compared to like, you know, the regular beverages that you have, the non-alcoholic traditional beverages that are served in restaurants, like your sodas and your pops and your iced teas, um, you know, the alcoholic beverage side has so much more variety and so much more like diversity and mixing up different, you know, concoctions. And so sometimes it's like, oh, I'm missing out on those like really cool looking drinks. And like, yeah, so you have like the mocktails to compensate. And then so I think this is pretty cool. Like it does open up like um, like a, a different sort of um or it opens up like different flavors and having the having more diversity in, in beverages for people who don't uh, drink alcohol. So I think that's that's pretty cool, and I think I would also be open to that. Um, 
but yeah, I can see it, it's it's a very interesting trend too, like um, that you pointed out, Sydney, that like half of like what is it like fifty two percent of people like they're trying to cut down on their alcohol consumption or, or something like that. Um, and so among younger people as well. So it does seem that this is a growing trend where people are, are, uh, kind of moving away from alcohol and, um, but they still might want to, you know, partake in, in, in the fun of it and like, not the fun of alcohol per se, but like the, the different offerings that alcoholic beverages typically, um, offer. So yeah that's it's interesting to see you know all of our perspectives yeah. together like and <laughs> and this is precisely why uh the market you know has so many different mm-hmm. people to cater to <laughs> um and I think one thing that I, I especially appreciate about like so many non-alcoholic offerings is that you know it's it kind of like minimizes or reduces like the stigma associated with not drinking which is a ridiculous one to begin with yeah but you know it's it's really nice that like you know the both uh you know retail and you know in restaurants like are starting to offer non-alcoholic uh beverages um just everyone can feel included it's it's really like it's really nice yeah it's such a great point because you know like I don't drink and so like sometimes when you do go out with people like I, I you know go to bars and stuff like that and I'd have like my whatever iced tea and sometimes you do feel kind of like you can't help but feeling like oh you know am I should I even be here what am I even doing here like it's a bar you're supposed to get you know drunk or whatever you're supposed to have a drink at least not get drunk per se but yeah and I think um like I've had cool friends like and I you know whatever no one judges or anything like that but like sometimes you do feel a bit conscious and you're just like okay but it's it's very nice to see that that sort of those attitudes are changing towards alcohol and how like it you know um the drinking space is becoming more inclusive so I do like that a lot Mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering now you know if they'll make like non- nicotine cigarettes uh, <laughs> like other things that like take the dangerous ingredient out of them but people still miss it I know they have like fake cigarettes for movies and stuff like that that I think it's mostly like vapor or whatever but yeah it just kind of reminded me of like hmm, there's there's a lot of potential for this like non-market you know non-blank market but yeah yeah like mocktails have been around for a, a while now right and like uh this is just playing on to that as well but yeah the cool point that there may be more non um intoxicating <laughs> yeah and and you know, these products yeah and they might be agents people to help to enjoy. people uh you know curb addictions yeah, maybe addictions. yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah. um what do i know just predictions but <laughs> <laughs> you're our lead food writer for a reason i guess <laughs> i don't know anything about cigarettes though I okay <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. 
Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.